Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Where are we? So we're in a place called Dundrum, South Dublin. And who are you? Nicholas Roach. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's quite a headwind. Yeah, but that's a breeze here. That's not wind. Wait till you get on top of Sally Gat, then you know what wind is. Is that wind where is. we're going? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's quite a scenic route we're doing today. It's probably one of my favorite routes. And, uh, okay, there's some amazing training around the world, but somehow uh, there's just something different with, uh, with these roads. You're just in the middle of nowhere, and it just, you feel like you're disconnecting a little bit. Really? Yeah. Even, even though it's so close to Dublin? Oh, I mean, so my granny just lives in uh, one of the houses in the green on the other side of this street. And does she cycle? She does, yeah. She must love it, you coming back to stay with her to train. Yeah, I think she's, uh, she's the most happy of the lot now. And, uh, but it was good, like I said, I haven't been... I missed out this winter, they had a, a big family reunion. And I had other, other things to do and I, I couldn't make it. And uh, I'm making up for it at the moment. Yeah. And so she looks after you properly? She does, yeah. Granddad prepares breakfast, my porridge every morning. <laughs> I bought a turbo when I got here and I haven't used it. I just prefer being in, in the rain yeah. rather than being on turbo. Well, I find that. I ride a bike because I want to get out. Exactly. What's the plan? Where are we heading now? Where are we going to go? So now we're heading, uh, going to go towards a place called Blessington, uh, quite famous for his lake. Unfortunately, we won't do the whole scenic tour because we're short on on time we try and keep it uh, good because it would be around four hours if we did the, the full loop yeah but we want to give us time for a coffee yeah so we're just leaving the suburbs of dublin i can see at least the wicklow hills ahead of us nico yeah so they're pretty close aren't they yeah yeah and it's an area about standing natural beauty yeah and it's a national park national uh, protected area yeah. everything it's a scenic tour today good. like i said it's uh You'd pay on a bus to do this trip. How much have you actually ridden around here? Because you, you, your mum's French, right? So you grew up a lot in France. So basically, I was born in France, but we moved here a couple of years. And then my mother wanted to give birth to my sister in France. So we moved back to France. And then we're back here for a couple of years. 
Then eventually I moved back to France when I was six and stayed there until the age of 11. Came back here and stayed here until I was 15. And then went back to France when I was 15. And that was the kind of last time I moved. Yeah. And then I did my own thing, moved out, went to Marseille and then moved to Italy. Well, moved back to Cannes when I turned pro. Then uh, moved to Italy for three years, into Chiasso in Switzerland for a year, and then uh, been in Monaco now for five years. So where feels like home? Home is everywhere. My real home is here, Dundrum. That's where the heart is. Yeah. Uh, today, I think where I live and where I have my residency in Monaco, I think it's fair to call that home. I feel well there, I'm happy there. Uh, I can get good training, have a good group of uh, friends and people around me. And so that'll be my, my home, so, but my roots are here. And when you come back, do you just sort of slot back in or is there a period of readjustment? No, when I come back here, it's, uh, it goes pretty quick. And uh, most of the family lives maybe 10, 20 minutes away. So it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward, pretty easy to, to be back, uh, back if I'd never left almost, you know? Because there was a time, wasn't there, where you were torn between your citizenships? Yeah, so basically, when I turned pro, Coffers told me, ah, you have dual citizenship. You know, the, you should be French. It'd be better for us because we need uh, French young riders. Because they're a French team. Yeah. yeah. So they kind of semi-convinced me. Plus, at the time, my French granddad, there was uh, problems with my parents, and he was really, everything that was due to, with Ireland, anything that had anything to do with Ireland yeah. was bad. So my granddad was almost offended that I was, wanted to be more Irish than French. And obviously, my granddad was born during the World War II, and they were proud to be French, and, you know, nationalism was important for them because they were invaded. Yeah. So he did not understand why I did not want to be French. But anyway, during the year, so Cofidis was pushing, pushing, so eventually I took a French license. But uh, it lasted for three months. Then I wrote to the UCI to say that uh, I did not want a French license, it was a mistake, and I want to revert to uh, my Irish uh, license. So basically I was, Cycling for France for about four months, <laughs> February to June. And did it feel? Did something feel wrong about that? Did you feel not yeah, comfortable like, with it? I just felt that it's not what I wanted. I had nothing to do with France, as in France didn't need me. Where I thought that with Ireland, I could do things better, and it made more sense. You know, if I was a carpenter, I would not have mind to be whatever I was, and I would have kept dual citizenship. But I just felt it wasn't logic that dad was cycling for Ireland and I was going to choose something different. Yeah. And more than anything, I just felt that in me I had more Irish and French, apart from my great taste of wine. I guess the other big part of it is your dad is an Irish cycling legend. So yeah. that side of the family is the cycling side, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think I uh, started cycling in Ireland Rode my first few years in Ireland. Did my first uh, World Championships with Ireland, and second, third, fourth World Championships with Ireland. And it was just wrong not to continue that way. Yeah. 
uh, to the point where after a couple of years in, uh, in real life, I actually uh, stopped having, because you know, it's one thing being cycling for one country to the other, it's another thing giving your nationality back. So I actually uh, decided to make things clear and to completely uh, deny my French citizenship and did the procedure to only have a, a single citizenship. Yeah. So I don't have dual nationality. I'm 100% Irish. And what reaction from the family? What did your mum and dad think about that? Yeah, my mum was a bit upset at the beginning because she thought I was giving away her roots. But she understood that I couldn't be forever half and half. Yeah. And I was, you know, I, was, I felt I was always a foreigner. When I was Ireland, I was always speaking with a French accent and I was a foreigner. When I was in France, I was speaking with a foreign accent and I was a foreigner. Still speaking with a foreign accent in every language that I do speak, but at least when I talked, I, I feel that I'm not playing both cards. It's, I made my choice and I wanted to be 100% Irish and I felt that was the best way to do it. Even though it's personal, I didn't go and shout it. Uh, Everywhere, oh, I'm 100% Irish now, I gave away my French passport. But I just felt that that was what I wanted to do. So this is about 3 or 4K. Is it, this climb? Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is good training. 9%. So how old are you when your dad had his amazing year in 87? You must have been really small. Three. Yeah. So you don't remember it really? No, only from kind of made up memories from footage and videos. When did you become stories. aware that he was something a bit special? I wouldn't, don't know really. I'd say probably close to seven or eight, something like yeah. that. Yeah, because my mum always laughs because uh, my dad used to collect cars. And when I was in school, uh, you know, one of the teachers was asking, he's like, oh, uh, so what car does your dad have? And I said, ah, oh, depends which one. And he says, oh, well, how many does he have? And, and I responded like, oh, I think seven or eight. And, uh, and the teacher called in my mother saying that I had to stop believing my dad had eight cars. And it was a problem because I was really convinced that my dad had eight cars. And my mother didn't know what to do because I was too young to realize what I was saying. And, uh, <laughs> And she was kind of... Some people are in a hurry, even in the mountains. I know, right? And it's always a contrast, because you get the guy who just says thanks you for letting him pass. Yeah. And you get the, sorry for my bad English, the bastard behind him who beeps and wants to squeeze you. It's just so random. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's just like, most guys just say thank you when you give them the wave, which is still pretty nice. Yeah. I mean, for those who don't know, your dad did the Triple Crown. He won the Tour, the Giro, the World in the same year, in 87. First man since Eddie Merckx. I think yeah. only man since Eddie Merckx. Yeah. So, did your dad push you at all? No. It was very random. When we moved here to Ireland, he had said, uh, there's Dublin there. Oh, wow. So, you see, wait, there's no high building? Uh, that is yeah. full city centre. The, he never pushed me, he's just like, randomly we, wait, we moved here and he was asked to go and do a prize giving. And he, he said there was a, 
underage race that I want to go. So yeah, why not? So we uh, took my mother's bike, had no shoes, stopped in the old shop of Joe Daly's because it was in another place, but the same people. <laughs> Got a pair of shoes and uh, went to the race, was uh, second. There was only eight of us, but was second. And really enjoyed it. Unfortunately, it was the last race of the year and I asked to buy for Christmas and got my bike for Christmas yeah. and started then when I was 13 then. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now we're quite lucky now because we've come to a junction with the main road. Yeah. And we only do about 100 meters on the main road and turn off again. Okay. So it's really handy. So how old are you now? 32? Three. 33. Yeah. How long, dare I say, do you think you've got until you might... As uh, long as I can. Hang up, yeah? Yeah. You still love it as much as you ever did? Yeah. Do you find you appreciate it more now you're in your 30s? Uh, not sure, actually, because I think I was always quite aware of how lucky I was to live my dream. What bothers me now is I just realise that I'm closer to the end and it's kind of, oh, it's going to be tough stopping because I do like it and I do enjoy it. What have you found hardest about it overall, though? Because I know you've, been, you've talked quite a bit in the past about cyclists having to keep their weight down, for example. Yeah, well, for me, that's always been, uh, um, you know, I should have been basically a classic rider, but I just want to be a climber. 
and it just takes me that little extra work and unfortunately uh, it's always been a very tough battle for me because to be a climber I need to be at uh, the lightest possible and it's always taking me months to because I'm never fat even in the winter I've always had some good uh, good body uh, percentages but it's just for me to be competing with those pure climbers I just need to be leaner than lean you know yeah because uh, you're naturally me muscular those, and athletic exactly and for me the hard bit is trying to lose muscle and it takes months yeah. and it's quite funny because in the winter the minute I stop I just pick it up straight away but like I said, like, you know, in December when we do the body fat, I'm only like seven, seven and a half percent. So I'm yeah. not fat. But like I said, for me to be competing at the best, I need to be really, really lean. What, four percent, that kind of thing? Yeah, it depends on the years. But but there's years I never really get down to where I could. And it's not from trying. It's just, like I said, I don't think I'm actually meant to be 69 kilos. I'm, I'm meant to be 70, 71 yeah. and ride classics and use power. But somewhere in my head, I just wanted to be a... I would want to be a climber, basically. <laughs> but in the latter years, because if I've got my numbers right, you've, you've finished 18 Grand Tours, is 19. that right? 19. 19. Yeah. Out of 19. So and I think there's seven or, eight, uh, seven or eight in top 15. Yeah. And it, for the past several years, never outside the top 40 when you finished. I mean, always yeah. up there. That's when I was also giving a hand as a teammate. Well, that's it, because I first met you a few years back and you just left uh, AG2R. To Saxo? Yeah, to Saxo. And you, you, were, you were team leader at AG2R and you'd gone to Saxo to end up working for Contador. Yeah. And I know you were saying at the time that you were, it was going to be a new thing for you, riding for someone else. But do you think you've actually had more success since in that role? Yeah. By doing that, has opened me other opportunities as well. Where when I, when I was at Asia Tour, especially at the time, it was all about chasing points. And for me, it was about securing points. And I was top 10 in every race, but I was ninth or 10th or 11th. Yeah. And depending where I was, I was getting a few points, but- And that was just to keep the team at the top level, basically. Exactly, where now I feel I can risk it a bit more and yeah, the first part of the season, I've always focused on helping others to prepare the second part for myself. And the last couple of years, the last three or four months of the year, I've always been back at the top level. The only thing is winter comes and then people start thinking, why am I not going good in Paranese? Where realistically, yeah. I've never gone good in Paranese. One year out of the whole lot, uh, out of 10 Paranese, I did one good one in 2010. But, once I come to the end of the year, uh, I'm always there and super competitive. So it's always just worked out for you that the Vuelta in the Vuelta España later in the year has just been, you're much more suited to it. Well, that's why I always try to go for the Vuelta because I know that if I wanted to try and ride GC to my best, lucky enough, there is one race that is at the same time where every year I seem to peak, which is the Vuelta. Yeah. I think last year, by pushing it a little bit too much between the Tour and the Vuelta. I kind of cooked it, and the second week, I started paying from just being on the go so long. 
And then once I recovered from the Vuelta, I was good again for the second, well, September and... and but and I just needed, a, exactly, I just felt that there's a stage where in the Vuelta, I was just starting to pay from uh, everything, you know, just going from the Tour to San Sebastian, going up to altitude after San Sebastian all the way to the Vuelta. Yeah. And I think I was just wanted to be so ready that I actually eventually uh, might have gone too deep. And by starting the Vuelta with those sharp, punchy stages where I was really good, but I was going really, really deep every day, but I kind of paid it the second week. Yeah. Yes, right, sorry. Uh, no, left, 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 sorry. <laughs> if we go straight is my normal loop. Okay. Uh, where it takes you around this massive lake. And then we go left to do a climb called Wicklow Gap. So but today on... we do a climb called Sally Gap. Okay. That's the thing about home roads, you're kind of on autopilot, aren't you? Until someone reminds you yeah. where you are. So where and are we And also, going? you know, like the last couple of days, uh, so this week I've already gone three times straight apart from yesterday. So in my mind, I was going straight towards the lake. I wish I had the time. Yeah, especially because, uh, that, well, the lake is beautiful in itself, but when you go over Wicklow Gap, you go down to a place called Glendalough. Okay. And that's one of the high touristic points of uh, the Wicklow Mountains. It's famous. They're actually doing, uh, there's actually a few Irish guys who invested in a whiskey distillery okay. in uh, Glendalough. But you don't mind having a little bit of a drink sometimes. I enjoy, yeah, but obviously, you know, it's quite, quite limited. But yeah. I shouldn't say that, but I'd rather stop chocolate than a glass of wine if you want, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a, my treat for a good day or whatever would be a glass or two of wine and not a dessert. Yeah. Or if I do have a dessert sometimes, but it is one thing I have to, I'd rather, like I said, yeah, I'd rather a glass of wine or a drop of whiskey on the kind of... Not a daily basis, obviously, but the exceptional day to kind of treat myself yes. rather than go full, to full gas on a Toblerone. And you think you need that, something to look forward to, and it just, just sort of... Especially now with age, I think. Yeah, yeah. And to break up the abstinence as well. Yeah, exactly, and I feel that, you know, obviously, with the training, and I, if I have that glass of wine or that glass of whiskey, I make sure what I'm eating is just lighter. Yeah. So it's just basically doing a calorie count, and okay, the alcohol is bad. And okay, is not as, you know, maybe it's the same amount of calorie as a bowl of pasta, but the bowl of pasta will be useful where the alcohol and the fat and whatever, but. Empty calories. At the end of the day, I also think that if I have one glass of whiskey in the week, it's not gonna ruin my career. No. So, yes, <laughs> I do enjoy a glass of whiskey. And no, I don't drink it every day. Have you always been aware then of your responsibilities as a professional sportsman with people who follow you and want to ask you questions? And I think I've always given my time as much as I can. But even more than that, because you, you know, you've written quite a lot about it, you've got a column in the Irish Independent, but you don't, you don't hold back. I mean, I think, you know, if it's to read censored bullshit, sorry for my language, it's better I don't lose my time. If I was going to do it, there was always going to be a part of honesty and say things that were maybe too strong, not going to be liked, but I took the risk. Yeah, and it's authentic, isn't it? Exactly, I didn't want to be there and saying, oh, my legs hurt, good day, bad day on the bike, and everybody is Disneyland. <laughs> and I wanted to give an opinion, and it's probably paid, it's probably been an issue a lot of the times because I find it hard to do keep my mouth shut, and if I'm right or wrong, I just like to give an opinion. And then if I'm wrong, 
My apologies. Yeah, you'll take it. I'll take it. And I accept, I accept the mistake. But if I have a point of view, I'd like to share it. The problem in cycling is the gray area. Yeah. And mainly and easily known the use of TUEs. Yeah. And if you sort the TUE problem, you sort a massive problem in cycling. Yeah. On a more positive note, what, what do you think about Dumoulin? Because personally, I'm a big fan. Dumoulin? Yeah. He's I... not an exciting bike rider. But the way he won the Giro was... But he's got this mental strength. Great racing, yeah, yeah. It's quite good. It's good to see uh, someone who looks after himself as well. Because the amount of times, like, I'm not saying I'm a model, but the amount of times that I've been criticised because I like fashion and I like normal things, and I don't spend my life in tracksuits. Yeah. And it's good to see that finally at the top there's someone in the media attention who actually looks good and shows that you don't have to be a farmer to be good. Because <laughs> a lot of the things in cycling, people think you have to be a farmer to be a hard man, and you can't be a hard man and suffer yeah. if uh, you look after yourself. And there's nothing wrong with putting fucking Nivea facial cream. It doesn't make me a pussy. Sorry for my language. And that's the problem with cycling, is they think that if you have a slight bit of self-esteem and wear a shirt, you're not worthy of being a cyclist because you need to be a hard farmer. So this is called Sally Gap. It's one of the two famous ones in, in around the Dublin uh, hills. So the next one is the Wicklow Gap, which is a, a bit further down. As you can see, it's, it's just great to disconnect here, here. I just love it, it just feels so fresh and kind of powerful in its own way. And when you get to the top, you're just blown left, right and center by these big gusty winds. And I uh, just feel I'm living here. I think the climb itself is only six or seven, but it's always, you don't think it goes up, but it does go up. Yeah, false flat. And there, the ramp there is about 15% to last is it? couple of hundred meters. Oh, well, I'll say goodbye to you at that point, won't I? Well, you'll confirm to me, because uh, I've actually never double-checked it, but uh, it feels like that. And there's days with a headwind, I think I've gone up like 6K an hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you think there's something about the terrain and the weather that, that just makes Irish hard men? I mean, yeah. your dad was tough as old boots. Sean Kelly, of course, was probably like, the original hard man. Something about riding around here that just makes you want to bury yourself. And that's what I've kind of rediscovered the last couple of months and I've really enjoyed. Like I won't be able to live here all the year, obviously, but uh, just to do those two months here, well, all together I must have spent, i say four weeks since the start of the year. So I haven't been there a lot, but I've been there quite enough to get the feeling for it again. Yeah. So it's been just, uh, Quite enjoyable. Oh, look at this, Nico, with yeah. you back in the sunshine, Ireland. And look at that, you literally have storm on the right, and it looks like, yeah, and the blue skies completely clear blue sky yeah. on our left. And by the amount of water, you know it was a proper storm. And how are you enjoying BMC compared to all the other teams well, you've been on? BMC, I'm quite happy with how my programme has always been settled and it's been great that I've actually optimised and they have let me optimise those periods where I'm helping somebody out and 
this will lead me to perform for my own too. And it's been great to have that, uh, that compromise where the first part of the year last year I was full on for Richie. And then the second part of the year I could play my own cards. Yeah. And that's exactly what I've been looking for. So I think it's been a great, uh, I've been pretty happy with how I've been settling in the team and another team's been with me. Look at that. Really beautiful. Because certainly after leaving AG2R, you've been in you've been in the really big teams, the you know, like the Man Uniteds of this world and Sky and Saxo Bank and BMC. Do you notice an obvious difference between those and then the the ones that like you know, like Cannondale Drapak as it was, struggling for money. Do you, do you notice the differences? You know, I think every team is struggling for money. Really? BMC is always struggling for money too. Uh, and they're still looking for sponsors for next year. So I think the money is always, uh, in a way, an issue globally in the sport because back with Saxa Bank, they were also struggling for money. Yeah. So I think that's just a general rule in cycling. And even though Sky has the biggest budget, I'm pretty sure if they could, they'd also want to have more money to do more of their projects. Oh, yeah. So, you know, there's no limit and everyone's always... Money is always uh, something you want more. When you were on Sky, did you, did you notice that... It, did it feel like that was the most wealthy team? Sky is the most wealthy team. Yeah. yeah. And, but Sky also spend a huge amount in, in their research and technology and trying stuff out with the tyre compounds, uh, wheel, wind tunnels, 3D uh, handlebars. There's a lot, like the training camps are, are a huge budget. Yeah. And uh, I reckon, no, I'm pretty sure the training camp budget for Sky is probably the budget of some continental teams. So there's a lot put back into training, development and all that. And, uh, but yeah, they were the, I reckon that by far the most comfortable. And how does that manifest itself? Did you find that was, more was being done for you? Yeah, but then to a certain extent, uh, you know, I always find that sometimes giving you a lot can get a little bit too much and stressful. And I don't know if it's just me going through ages and all that, but I was never a fan of having mattresses and all that. I find those 85 centimeter wide mattresses, I always said I was gonna fall off them. <laughs> and sometimes I'd rather have what's in the hotel. And okay, uh, you might get one hotel out of six or seven that is completely unsleepable, but most hotel kind of have decent enough mattresses. So I do extend, I do understand pushing the limits of having your own mattresses. But for example, for me, it's not something that I'll say, oh, I absolutely want my mattress, but I'm not racing tomorrow. But it was great that the option was there, but at the end of the day, I never use or the mattress or the demu, dim, dehumidifier. Oh yeah, dehumidifier, yeah. Or, or the pillows or anything. Yeah, or the, the pillows I did. And I actually had bought uh, two similar ones for my house. <laughs> and uh, the pillows, I have to say, that was, something I, I agreed on. Even though since I've changed team, I haven't missed it. But it's just to say that sometimes there's so much, 
so many things happening. It's like today, or in the States, you go to order a coffee, and it takes you 25 minutes for a coffee. Short, medium, large, uh, sugar, sweetener, <laughs> soya, normal milk. So you, so you pick and choose your marginal gains, that's what you're saying, isn't it? It's exactly, on like, who you I mean, are. everyone's, it's like finding a, whatever suits you. Yeah. And there's so many different personalities, backgrounds, training habits. Not one of us is the same. Do you prefer training on your own, or do you always like to have people around? I train a lot on my own. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like to do the odd spin with someone. And it's nice for company. Yeah. But uh, I also feel I need to go and do my own thing. And it's my kind of terribly being on the bike as well. Yeah. So this is the town of Enniskerry. But we're going to stop here for a coffee. Yeah, we're going to stop just here on the left. Did you ever feel under any pressure um, racing because of what your dad had achieved? I suppose definitely a little bit, but more in the fact that I felt that a lot of time I was due to disappoint because a lot of people had um, crazy uh, expectatives from me. And, uh, um, and, and very soon they realised that I wasn't going to win the Tour at 25 and Paranese at 21 and all that. For me it didn't really matter because I was lucky enough in a way that he was so good that it doesn't matter if I'm worse. You know, I think if he would have been more average, then it would have been a lot more competition. Oh yeah, you were 50, you were 6, you was 9, you were 10th, but I think you won 75 or 80 pro races and some of the bigger ones a couple of times. So basically I was just playing in a different category, so... Um, different type of rider. Exactly, and then I just felt that, you know, uh, it's perfectly fine not to be the best cyclist of your generation. Uh, and didn't make me a, a worse person. So I, I, I quickly realized that it wasn't uh, like, I, I just, obviously, you know, sometimes you do get hurt the odd time, oh, I was never gonna be as good or this or that, when I, because I was, you know, a bit younger and then I was like, who cares, fuck that. And it strikes me riding with you and now we stop for a coffee that you're a bike rider first and foremost and, and then a racer. There's plenty of racers and I'm sure you know plenty of them who just do it and it's their job and then they probably never ride a bike again after they retire. You must have seen, seen those kind of guys in the peloton, but you're not in that camp. No, not at all. I, like I said, I just, just enjoy being on the bike and racing is great and it's, it's a goal to, the, to kind of keep your head to the, towards your hard training. But for me, the perfect spin is like today, three to four hours, coffee stop, chat, social and go home. And if every day was like that, you know, it'd be, it'd be amazing, you know, that today is like, okay, weather-wise, we take that about, we take the, that rain shower out, but great, yeah, thanks. This is exactly what, uh, what I enjoy of, uh, of this board, is kind of that three, four hour social bit, and it's enough. I think, you know, doing the five, six hours, yeah, that's training, where the enjoyment kind of, yeah, you have the satisfaction because you do it and it's challenging and, and it's rewarding later on towards your, your racing, but three, four hours, coffee stop, sounds perfect. Kill the morning. It's been great. Yeah. Nico, thanks very much. Thank you, you're welcome. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 